Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. If you have a Bible or if you're going to use your device, we're going to be in Luke 19. Luke chapter 19 to get us started. A little introductory thought. Years ago... It's been a while ago. This is, this is, I used to be stronger, I realized. When I picked this up, it's, a 40, it's just a 40-pound dumbbell, and I'm not going to carry it through this whole... I'm going to put it down now. Okay, so anyway, uh, we were getting some animals at our house, which is another story. So, what we did, we did, so we needed some, like, farm fence things. So it was a fence that looked something like this. I think there, just, I needed to put some fence posts in to keep a few animals in. This was not like a giant farm field. This was, you know, just a little kind of a thing. And like they make official post hole. This was the kind of fence post we needed to put in. And they make things to have, that are like to pound these down in. But they were like 20 bucks <laughs> or more. And so I thought I have a great idea. I will grab one of my dumbbells. Some of you know already this wasn't a good idea, but I didn't know it at the time. It was a great idea. And I, would, I took a chair out, or I got an old truck, and I'd back the truck up to where I, when I would get it started, and I would stand in the back of this truck, and I'm like pounding this thing down. And it went pretty well for a while until the one fence post where, as I came down on top of it, it glanced off, and somehow this little finger was here. It was here and came down on top of that metal fence post. How many of you just now had that pain juice go through you where you're like, ow! I had that too when this happened. Probably worse than what you just experienced. I remember, because it came right down on the top of that metal uh, post, I remember pulling off my leather glove, and I was so glad my finger was still there, because I thought, we just, it's gone. Um, it wasn't pretty. You probably, some of you would love to see a picture, but most of you are like, ah, so it was, but here's why I tell the story. I thought this was a great idea, and then in a, in a moment, I had a change of heart. <laughs> I kid you not. It was not a long, drawn-out process. Like, immediately, I realized, I think 20 bucks for a post hole thingy should have, is a way better way to go. And so it's just kind of an, maybe it's just a quick way to introduce a question for you. Have you ever had a change of heart? And I guess I'm going to kind of lean into a quick change of heart. There are sometimes we will change over time. Have you ever had kind of a quick moment where you realized something? It could be a change of mind, a change of direction, where you're like, this is good, and then you change direction. Another just simple example, I was going to buy a lawnmower this last year, and uh, I was in a small engine shop, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get it here. Until I got to the end of the quote thing, and they said, oh, and there's a $125 setup fee. 
And I don't know, this may be totally fine and everything, but I remember going, what? There's a private place that doesn't have a setup fee. <laughs> and so, right or wrong, I remember I had a change of heart. I went, oh, okay. And I'm like, I think I'll go, and I, I thought I'll go look around, because in my world, maybe is in your world, 125 setup fee was like, oh, well, maybe there's another, okay, change of heart. Um, we can have them regarding people, things, purchases, ideologies, where we'll have an experience where we were committed to this certain thought process, and then we'll have a change of heart really fairly quickly. Um, we can, by the way, a change of heart oftentimes is good, because we'll change, like we'll be smarter or better, uh, more informed. I, uh, have you ever, I think they still use this term, have you ever met someone that you thought was stuck up? Or like from a distance? I don't know why, I, you know, like, oh, she looks stuck up. She's, she's got to be stuck up. And then I did that. Some of you, well, some of us, we thought this about you. But then what happens? And then you end up talking to them, and you have a change of heart because you're like, oh, gosh, she is so sweet, right? No? They've all been stuck up? No, they haven't. You, like, met them. And they're like really nice. It's this change of heart thing that happens. I'm going to twist or tweak the question just a little bit. It'll change on the screen. Have you ever wanted a change of heart? Have anything in your life that you're struggling with? Oh, for example, like you have this job, but you don't have a lot of joy in that job, but you know that is your job. And have you ever, maybe even if you're a Christian, you may have even asked God, like, God, will you change my heart? Because I know I need to do this, and this is my thing. But you say, God, will you change my heart? Because I really hate this. And we can cry out to God for a change of heart. Maybe you're driven by struggle with sex or power or anger, and you're like, but I don't want to be angry guy or... Right, lustful person, or so we, what we hope for is, have you ever not liked your heart? Or is that just me? Yeah, right, and we think, this is not what I want to be. So anyway, where we're headed today is good news. God is a God who can oftentimes quickly, powerfully change a heart. Some examples of that, there's a guy in the New Testament, his name is Saul, and he was anti-Jesus, hated Christianity, persecuting the church, and then he has an encounter with God, and in Acts 9.20, it says, at once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. He had a change of heart. David, in the Old Testament, he's can be a good role model for faith. He had a heart for God. He knew God well. And he wanted a heart shift. And he prays to God. He says, create in me a pure heart. He was smart enough to know where to go. Create in me a pure heart. By the way, that psalm goes on to say, and, and renew, fix again, a right spirit. I think a lot of us in our good moments, we're like, I want to have a right spirit. 
In Ezekiel 11, I've been reading in the book of Ezekiel during my own personal Bible time. And it says, I will give them, God is talking, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. I'm not a cardiologist, but my guess is a heart of flesh way better than a heart of stone. And of course, the application is there is a sensitive heart or a tender heart or, and not, right? Okay. So hold those thoughts we are in this series called This New Life, Bringing Clarity to a Walk with God. And we're going to explore today God's ability to give us a change of heart. And we're going to learn from this text in uh, Luke, a uh, story of a man who has, I would submit to you, a massive change of heart fast. And a little background. His name is Zacchaeus. He, we will see that he is a tax collector during Jesus' time. We will see he's described as wealthy, and he is probably very wealthy because he is a chief tax collector. And he is such in this town called Jericho, which was a pretty a nice town. Uh, there's some references to it being called uh, the City of Palms. So it's like a kind of an affluent place. And so, oh, one more thing about Zacchaeus, he's apparently short. So, Luke 19.1, I'll read the story without much interruption, because I think it's pretty easy to picture. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus, are you picturing this? It's kind of easy to picture. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. We're about halfway through. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, we might touch on that a little bit in the talk because tax collectors were notoriously corrupt. They took advantage of people. They had a lot of power. And the tax system was corrupt. So the people saw this and began, he has gone, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give, here's the heart, the heart change. Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Just to finish it up, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Let's repeat Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said, 
Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions. Zacchaeus, I was going to preach just these three points, but let me just give them to you. You talk about a change of heart. Zacchaeus's heart is changed regarding materialism. Here and now I give half my possessions away? That's a pretty big deal. And Zacchaeus was likely a very materialistic. He was driven for money and possessions. He goes on to say, I give half my possessions to the poor. Wait a minute. All of a sudden he cares about poor people? He is, this is not where he has lived for years and years and years. Because he's like, let's do something for the poor. He would take advantage of the poor. He took taxes from everybody. And then he goes on to say, if I have cheated anybody about any, uh, cheated, all of a sudden he has a conscience. Because cheating is a big part of what his life has been about. Do you see the life, the heart change? Do you see? This is a big deal in a small amount of time. Title of the talk is A New Nature, God's Ability to Change Hearts. And what we're going to explore is what did Zacchaeus do to set the stage? What was his part in this idea of having a heart change. Uh, before we pray, you might want to think of an area of your life where you're like, oh, I'd love to see God do this in my life. Because the things that we're going to talk about uh, are, uh, I believe, powerful in setting the stage for this kind of experience for us. So let's pray. God, most of us, maybe, a lot of us, for sure, would love to see transformation in, in areas of our life. So I pray that the next 20 minutes, you would do stuff in us that would uh, prep us, prepare us to increase the chances of radical good things happening in our hearts and our spirits. Help us in Jesus' name, amen. I've got two ideas here. If you're on site or maybe you're using the app, there are ways you can plug in notes uh, that Zacchaeus got this new heart. First one is this. Zacchaeus got a new heart by pushing past the crowd. Pushing past the crowd. Before we get to our text, you may or may not know this, the crowd almost always in the Bible is a hindrance to people's personal spiritual life. Did you know that? It's like almost always the crowd is not a good thing. They're a hindrance. Some examples uh, in Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a guy named Bartimaeus who needs a miracle from Jesus. So he starts crying out to, to Jesus. He says, some, he says uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And here's what the crowd does. The crowd rebukes him, tells him to shut up. So he had to work his way past what the crowd said. He ends up getting a miracle. Another text is when a woman was, in Luke 8, a woman was um, needed a healing and it describes the situation because there was a massive group of people around Jesus. It says, as Jesus was on his way, it says the crowds almost crushed him. And somehow she's got to figure out how to get through a crushing crowd so that she can touch Jesus. She just touches his clothes. And that's how her healing. Crowds are not helpful. That's just in case you're curious. Generally, you want to you know a great way to derail your spiritual life? Just follow the crowd. It'll be great. It actually won't be great. I just said that. Um, in our text, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. 
crowd's in his way. Here's the brilliance of Zacchaeus. He ran ahead of the crowd and climbed the tree. So just to get a little more into the story, from Zacchaeus's view, it probably went something like this. I want to see Jesus. There was, it would have been like a parade with a bunch of people, except for people didn't sit in their lawn chairs and watch him go by. People just kept walking with him. Does that make sense? Just this movement going past. And one side note that is probably the case. Some people would have tried to inch their way through the crowd to get close to Jesus and get a... But Zacchaeus likely would not have done that because he was like hated. And if, unless he had an entourage with him, he would have avoided getting in the middle of crowds because there would have been a dozen, 50, 100 people that had always just wished for a time to just elbow him like right in the face. Because he was a hated guy. And in the, you know how in the midst of crowds you can get away with stuff? So he would not have been the person who would like inch the way through because chances are Bubba would go, I've been waiting to thump you for how many? Or somebody would have said, hey, Zacchaeus is over there to the right. And Bubba would have went, I'm going to stomp him. Uh, you know, and then the crowd would have gone on and Zacchaeus would have been laying there. Right? <laughs> well, what happened? Well, we don't know what happened. He just is dead now. So anyway. So that's probably why he didn't push through the crowd. So that's Zacchaeus' view. So he's like, I'm not going in the crowd, but I'll go up ahead and get in the tree. From Jesus' view, interesting, because Jesus is just in the midst of this mass of people going along. And here's what I think caught my attention. What would it be like for Jesus? I'm going to use a question to introduce the thought. When was the last time you saw a well-dressed 40-year-old man in a tree? Ever thought about that? He's very wealthy. He is a chief tax collector. He's not new at this. He's worked his way up the corporate ladder, and he's up in a tree. How many of us, if we were on the way home from church today, we would totally stop the car if we saw, like, look at that dude up in the tree, right? That's a thing you don't normally see. And here's what I think happened in Jesus' life, something where Jesus looked up and thought something like, Jesus probably didn't think, dude, but he was like, dude, if you want to see me bad enough that you will climb that tree, I want to have coffee with you. Is that, like, I want, I want to come to your, I'm coming to your house today. Here's a fill-in-the-blank that basically says the same thing. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus' unique desire, his desire led him to do something beyond what most people were doing. Most people were just in the crowd. He, Jesus, was compelled to make a personal visit. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus' unique desire, he was compelled to make a personal visit. Now, We're going to stay here for a little while. That thing there that is on the screen, that is gold if you want to experience a heart-changing moment with the Lord. If you want to experience God-given heart change. I would guess that in the midst of the crowd and all the people that were going to see Jesus that day, 
how many of them in the back of their mind were daydreaming about, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus was walking through and pointed me out and invited me? Or do you guys think in these terms, like if you were with a celebrity or you see somebody, you know, you'd be like, wouldn't it be great? Like if they called me out and said, hi, I know you. And, and so there had to be, I think, if they're all like us, dozens or hundreds of people, but nobody else in the, in the record, nobody else was climbing a tree. They were all just hanging with the crowd. So this brings up some probing questions. First one is this. How eager do I appear to God? These are not fill in the blanks. They're just things coming up on the screen. How eager do I appear to God? Another way to ask basically the same question is, are there any spiritual extremes in my life? Spiritual extremes, like good extremes, like climbing a tree. This is a good thing for him to be so passionate about it that he, that he does the, I guess I'll climb a tree. Are there any spiritual extremes in my life, things that set us apart Last way, last, the third question. It's the same question in a different way. Is there any reason God would pick me out of the crowd? That kind of pokes at you, doesn't it? Is there any reason God would pick you out of the crowd? What makes you unique? In terms of your heart for God, is there any spiritual thing that you do that, that God looks down and says, holy cow, I can't believe that Phyllis is, she's really, she really wants my attention today. I have a, a friend, and for a long time, when he first started coming to the church, we would do an offering for prayer. We would say, hey, so if you want to, you know, if you want to learn how to love people better, his name's Chris. And I kid you not, it felt like, and I think he kind of, every time we would offer prayer, Chris would come up. And I knew him pretty well. And I remember thinking, Chris, do, dozens of times I thought, Chris, you're great at loving people. And he would say, no, man, I just, I just want to be better. Or we would be repenting for some sin, and I would know, like, he's probably one of the better. And then he would say, man, I just want to be holy. Or we would talk about loving the poor, taking care, watching our minds. It was like every single time there was a time for prayer, Chrissy would just come walking up. And I would look and I'd think, he'd go, ah, just pray for me, man. And I think God, if we ever got to talk to God and have like a dialogue, if I think if I ever said, did you know Chris? And I wonder if God would go, oh, man, I know Chris. Every time there's an offer, he's the guy who sits over here when he was at the vineyard and he would come up here and, he would say, yeah, man, I need more of that. Is there anything that we do that sets us apart from people? I think it matters. It mattered in this story. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 1 Chronicles twenty two nineteen says, devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Boy, there's a lot of things we run after. By the way, if we think, well, I don't have, a compa I don't have the capacity to be urgent. <laughs> it just depends on what we're hunting for. 
right? You're trying to find that one thing. You'll spend all, right? You'll spend all day long trying to figure out your, the best ever fantasy football thing. Like, I got to do some more research. Like, what'd you do today? I researched the whole world of football because the fan, because my, I don't know how it works, but like, you know what I mean? Or the hobby or the money market gig where you're like, oh, I want to find out the best. Blah, 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 blah. So we will set ourselves apart in pursuit of so many things. And what I'm pushing out in front of us is, hey, how about every once in a while, or maybe a lot more, we show that kind of energy and effort in pursuit of God. That will make a difference in our heart change. God will get involved in that stuff. I was talking to a college student who's pretty, pretty busy in the midst of the college stuff, and they play sports, and, the, and I remember she was describing her week, and I'm like, wow. And she was pretty stressed out, and I remember the next thing she said, she said, so I'm going to take a little extra time now. I'm just going to go be with God. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure that most college students in that situation would say, I'm going to go be with God. And I'll bet God looks down and says, I noticed that. All right, so here's the challenge in, in finishing up this point. What unique thing will I do this week? Something that will set us apart, will set you apart. So in the midst of the, of the crowds of people this week that will have earbuds in like all week, right? Because we can just fill our lives with a, Will you be, these are just ideas, will you be a person who sometime this week or a few times this week when you're driving to work or you're driving to class or you're getting ready to go, will you be someone who like takes those out, shuts off everything intentionally and says, God, my I'm just going to be just, will you talk to me? If you want to talk to me, I'm listening. That's not what most people do. Or if you have questions about something, or you're in a situation, instead of running to Google for an answer, how about we run to the Bible first? Or to prayer. All those things will be unique compared to most people, and arguably most people who would call themselves Christians, right? <laughs> most of us, most Christians, here's my gracious observation. <laughs> most Christians mostly are Christians out of convenience a bunch of the time. Well, I'll, I'll be at church and worship God every week unless I don't want to that week. Or I'll do my devotions every day as long as I have a bowel movement because my devotions are behind me and I will read my, I will read my Bible then. <laughs> Corey, I am not going to say that the next service, dude. <laughs> I cannot believe I said it now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said it. Can we rewind everything? <laughs> Shoot. But right... You know, I'm going to read my Bible. <laughs> See, we can't even go on. We're closing prayer now because <laughs> I just talked about being on the toilet. Okay. 
But you know, like most of us, like our Bible time, if we're not really intentional, our entire devotional life is just according to convenience. You know, I'll read a little bit, but I won't read too much. And, and just, okay, you get the, get the point. <laughs> oh, shoot. Let's go to the second point. So that was Zacchaeus got a new heart by pushing past the crowd. Zacchaeus got a new heart by capitalizing on the present opportunity. This is a big deal. We're going to finish our time by talking a little bit about spiritual urgency. Spiritual urgency. Before we get to the text, a story about my life, probably 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, if you would come up to me after church in the parking lot because you got a new car, like if somebody, if I found out you got a new car, this is, this is just me being real about my heart. Uh, the first thought, if you say, hey, come look at my new car, my first thought would have been, I wish I had a new car. That was just how I operated. But I'd operated like this most. I wouldn't say it out loud. I'd smile and go, oh, yay. But, <laughs> but my heart, we're talking about heart change. Or you would describe, you know, some financial thing that you did where I got involved in this thing and I made 18% of my money. And I'd be like, well, well why don't I make 18% of my money? Or you would say, hey, I work at this place. And so every, you know, twice a year, we, we're going on a two-week shutdown at my plant. So I, like, I've got two weeks off the next two weeks. I would be like, well, well, well how come we can't shut down the church for two weeks? Because I want to, <laughs> couldn't. Does that make, so my heart. Here's a, here's a description, an adequate description of my heart. This has been a while now, but 10, 15 years ago. I had a sinful covetous heart. It was, a co it was a heart that when I would see something good in someone else's life, I would covet that. I wasn't content with my stuff. I wanted their stuff. That's called coveting. And read the Ten Commandments. It's a sin. That's where I lived until, again, I'm not sure exactly when this was, I remember one of those moments where somebody said something, you know, like really good, like they were like saying, I don't know, my hair is just so thick. And I was probably like, well, I wish I could have thick hair. But instead, here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. If you've ever heard the, a prompting from God, like a push. And God, I am convinced God said, Mark, tell them how happy you are for them. And it must have been a good spiritual day for me because whatever happened, I just went, and I said it. I said, I am so happy for you. Now, here's what I have observed over the last 10, 15 years. I don't know when that started in my life. And now it's just a practice in my life. Here, I'm just testifying. God changed my heart in a moment 10 years ago. And I didn't realize it until the last 10 days. I was talking to somebody and describing it. I realized I, now you won't believe it because I got all my struggles, all I'm going to say, I do not struggle. I'm going to say it. It might be an issue. I do not struggle at all with the blessing of God in other people's lives anymore. Like, I just don't. This might be like this one area. I'm like, I just, I'm just so happy you have thick hair. Like, seriously. Or you may this week be going on vacation at some exotic place. I kid you not. I am like, that is awesome. And almost never do I go to that. I lived most of my life in kind of an ugly, when somebody had something good. I wonder how many, how many years of my life I spent with that sin. 
This is not happy. It's just ugly. And what I can tell you is God, it's like God said, okay, Mark, I'm going to open a door here. Try this. I'm inviting you to do this. And I did it, and God changed my heart like that. He just did. And here's what I would say to you. We're going to talk about spiritual urgency. If God invites you to something, do not miss that moment because you never know when God will say, you did that, bang, you are done with that struggle. You, does that make sense? God works this way. So in our text, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down, say it, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. If you didn't catch it in verse 1 of the chapter, it says Jesus is passing through. If Zacchaeus doesn't take advantage of this moment, he will never experience what he's about to experience. It's spiritual urgency. You can write this down. Zacchaeus responded to Jesus' invitation with an equal sense of urgency. Jesus said, here's your opportunity. I want to come to your house now. Zacchaeus said, yes. Changed his life. And by the way, just to make it a little more real, there were probably reasons for Zacchaeus to try to put this off at least for a few days. Right? If Jesus said, I want to come to you, if he was here now and he said, I'm going to come to your house today. There's probably reasons to go, oh gosh, what does the house look like? Right? If you're like me, or you're like, holy cow, what, uh, what's in my fridge? That, that, and then, it, by the way, and it says of Zacchaeus, they said, Jesus is going to be in the house of a sinner. So, who knows what's in Zacchaeus's? He's super wealthy sinner guy. Who knows what's in his house from just the night before? Like, I was thinking, you know, Zacchaeus could maybe have thought through Gosh, did we even clean up after the party thing last night? Is Jack even awake from his drinking binge the day? Because when we left him, he was still comatose on the couch. Did anybody clean up the puke from the... And you know how easy it would be to say, Jesus, I think that's a great idea. I would love to put something on my calendar, but I'm not sure I want to do it now. So you guys never lived in that world? Do you never, right? Some of you right now, if you came to your house this afternoon, you'd be like, oh, crap. <laughs> did, we, did we fix the, or your, the one friend? See, you'd want to prep your friends. You would want to talk to the one like Joe, the super cusser. You'd say, Joe, Jesus is coming over. I want to call you. There was no cell phone. You couldn't call him beforehand. You'd, Joe, this is Jesus, so can you please not cuss out loud for the next wouldn't there be like a hundred reasons to not say yes to him immediately and say, come to my house today? He could have totally missed this. Uh, last point, not quite the fill in the blank, but I need to just dwell on this for a moment. This series is called, right, it's, we have it back here the whole time, This New Life bringing clarity to a walk with God. Some of you are exploring God, or this might be due to you. Here's something you need to know about the God of the universe. 
Jesus Christ and the Father, the Holy Spirit, they are a door opener, but they are rarely a door holder. They do not operate on our calendar. Yes, they're loving, and by their grace, they, Jesus, when he, so much of the time, I'm going to actually do a talk on this in a few weeks, he, there is, without a sense of urgency, you will miss God. We are so goofed up if we think, oh, hey, thanks for the invite, God. I'll get back to you. Jesus is not like your friend that you can just push off. He is the stinking Lord. I shouldn't say stinking Lord of the universe. He is the Lord of the universe. And we think, oh, well, I'll just put you on hold because you'll still be there tomorrow. That is a horrible way to approach life. You will not experience life change like that. God is not some God up there that we like pull the strings and say, oh, now I need you, now I don't, blah, blah, blah. He just does not work that way. We should take it really seriously when he says, I got this for you. I want to come to your house. I want to challenge you with this. I want to invite you to this new thing. We should capitalize on it then. Last fill in the blank. If Zacchaeus misses this chance, he misses this chance. And if he misses this chance, he stays a materialistic, hated, probably no authentic friends, sinner guy who is going to end up separated from God and in hell. And he never gets to experience life change, a heart for the poor, becomes generous. Who knows how many lives he impacted? Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.